Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Happy New Year. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the five storylines that will drive Washington this year. Number two, what we learned from the latest round of financial disclosures. And number three, Tesla hires a new lobbying firm. All right, everybody, good morning and welcome back. We hope you had a safe and happy holiday uh, season. Punchable News is back and there is plenty to cover. We are 17 days uh, away from a partial government shutdown. Congress returns, of course, next week. While things are a little slow here in Washington, we thought it would be useful to lay out the most important storylines this year. We, of course, are staying intently focused on the politics of governing, governing and legislating in the nation's capital. Clearly, the 2024 election is the biggest political story of the year, but we're also drilling down on the other key plot lines for the coming weeks and months. So let's get to it. The biggest thing we are covering right now, government funding. It's the most immediate challenge Congress has to deal with. There is a pair of government funding deadlines during the next month. As we reported in the AM edition Monday, there's still no fiscal year 2024 top line funding deal. Speaker Mike Johnson has said he doesn't want to pass another short-term stopgap funding resolution, and conservatives hate omnibus packages. But there's very little chance that Congress can pass 12 separate spending bills by the dual January 19th and February 2nd deadlines. So something is going to have to give. Then there's the border crisis. Nearly everyone we talk to in Washington understands that the situation at the U.S.-Mexico border is both a humanitarian and political disaster. There are thousands of migrants crossing the border every day, but leaders on Capitol Hill and President Joe Biden face serious difficulties in getting an agreement to stem the flow of migrants for a variety of reasons. Johnson, who will be in Eagle Pass, Texas on Wednesday, has effectively said that he won't accept anything less than H.R. 2, the hardline House GOP border and immigration bill. Of course, the Senate would never take up this bill. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has encouraged bipartisan border discussions that include top Biden administration officials. But even if this group reaches a tentative agreement, Johnson and House Republicans will be incredibly cool to it. Also on tap, the future for Ukraine aid. The whole world knows that the fate of Ukraine as a sovereign nation likely depends on Congress's ability to strike a deal to resolve the border crisis. If that weren't daunting enough, the pro-Ukraine Republican is becoming a rare breed on Capitol Hill. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has made it his mission to press for robust U.S. support for Ukraine, but his view isn't winning support from Hill Republicans, nor the party at large. Congress hasn't approved new Ukraine aid for more than a year now, and even though the border talks are progressing, it's unclear whether the United States will be able to follow through on Biden's oft-stated promise to su sustain Ukraine for as long as it takes. And then there's aid to Israel. One of the most controversial decisions that Johnson made since taking over as Speaker was tying $14 billion in Israel aid to IRS funding cuts. That decision, coupled with Schumer's decision to group Israel with Ukraine and Taiwan and Republicans' subsequent border security demands, has led to stalemate. 
But as we noted on Monday, the Biden administration is moving to supply Israel with some weapons without Congress's approval. The pressing question is whether Hill leaders will look to move Israel aid as a standalone with the situation in the Middle East becoming more precarious. Another big issue, the 2024 race for Congress. The focus in coming weeks will be former President Donald Trump's bid to win the GOP presidential nod, as well as President Joe Biden's vulnerability. But the House and Senate are truly up for grabs this year. The field of competitive seats in the House has shrunk, although it's a bit too early to say Republicans or Democrats have a definitive advantage in November. Our friends at the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter say there are just 24 toss-up seats in the House. New York and North Carolina haven't finalized their maps. Georgia, Alabama, and possibly Florida and Louisiana may add minority-majority seats favoring Democrats. Democrats are well-positioned to make a serious bid to win the House. Over in the Senate, Republicans are still favored to retake the majority. Democratic incumbents are up for re-election in red states like Montana and Ohio. Arizona is still a mystery. Senator Kirsten Sinema, who's involved in those border talks, hasn't said whether she's running again. And West Virginia is almost certain to flip to the GOP with Democratic Senator Joe Manchin's retirement. But Democrats could benefit from a poor slate of GOP candidates in some states. This has been Republicans' perpetual downfall in the Trump era. Senate GOP leaders have openly lined up behind their favorite candidates in key states, so we'll see if that works. And last but certainly not least, there's always Trump. We are about to hear a lot more from and about the former president in the coming days, if that's possible. The GOP presidential primary season officially kicks off in two weeks, and Trump is in position to run away with the nomination. He will also be in federal and state court throughout this period. You don't need us to tell you that Trump's grasp on the GOP remains as firm as ever. That means he effectively has the power to reshape the direction of Congress's priorities this year. It'll be difficult for GOP leaders like Johnson to ignore Trump's inevitable musings on the supplemental package, for instance, which conservatives will undoubtedly pan as weak on border security. If the Senate nears a deal to unlock Ukraine aid and Trump comes out against it, it may be impossible for Johnson to bring it up in the House. All right, let's run to the number two story of the morning. Behind the scenes, we got a look at a bunch of financial disclosures, and here's some interesting ones that caught our attention. Ever wonder what the head of Emily's list earns each year? Senator LaFonza Butler, the Democrat from California, just filed her financial disclosure form. She made $700,000 from serving as president of the group. Butler, who California Governor Gavin Newsom appointed to fill the late Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat, is not running for election in 24. Another interesting filing, former Representative Debbie McCarcel Powell, the Democrat from Florida, who is running against Senator Rick Scott. She reportedly made nearly $480,000 in 2022 and 2023 after she lost her seat in the House from consulting work for the Roseman University of Health Sciences in Nevada, Third Way, and for serving as a fellow at the George Washington University. Former Representative Mike Rogers, who's running for the nomination to take on Representative Alyssa Slotkin for the Michigan Senate seat, has racked up a long line of board seats and consulting clients. He worked for Nokia, making $460,000, more than $190,000 from the Mitri Corporation, and $137,000 from AIP Worldwide Services, among others. And the number three story of the morning. 
Over the Christmas break, Tesla inked Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek to lobby. Jeff Burr, the former chief of staff for the Department of Transportation during the Trump administration, and Gregory Sundstrom, the former chief of staff to Michigan Representative Debbie Dingell, the Democrat from Michigan, will lobby for the automaker. With that, thanks so much for listening. If you like The Daily Punch, you can go deeper, of course, by signing up for our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe, everybody.